0: Hello, and welcome back to the Emergency Traffic Podcast, where we explore the tragic line-of-duty deaths of firefighters and paramedics to learn from these events. These podcasts are a brief synopsis of the events that we've obtained from official reports and published stories. We wanted to provide an easy and convenient method for today's firefighters and paramedics to quickly learn lessons of past line-of-duty deaths and possibly prevent them from happening again. We want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This is a new initiative that we just started here this winter. We've been thinking about it for a while, and we sincerely hope that you enjoy our podcast, including this next one we're going to do right now, and that you learn something from it. You can follow us uh, on Twitter at twitter.com slash podcast traffic or our Facebook page. You can email us also with your comments and thoughts at emergencytrafficpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback on the podcast, good, bad, or indifferent. We really appreciate your input. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. So give us a thumbs up or some stars if you like the podcast to motivate, motivate us to keep going. I'm your host, Paul, and I'd like to welcome today my co-hosts, Doug and Dirk. How are you guys well, doing today?
1: Doing really good, Paul. Nice to be back recording again. And
0: Dirk, how are you? You just finished your workout. You're going back on shift tomorrow.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. Doing well. All good. Everybody's healthy. And uh, yeah, no, well, everything's en- good. Enjoying the spring-like weather we're having? As long as it lasts, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Time to get the camper ready.
2: Oh, yeah, soon.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. How about that uh, high-rise fire in London? Uh, It kind of fits our subject. The subject for April is going to be high-rises, and we've got a couple of podcasts lined up for those and a tailboard talk to talk about uh, some apparatus for high-rise work. What do you think of that high-rise that happened in London a couple of weeks ago? Uh, They got to use their brand-new 64-metre turntable ladders, both of them, I think. They used one, and they had one in reserve because they were still training
2: yeah they were lucky that 64 meters did the job <laughs> yeah for sure i think it yeah. was
0: 19th floor something like that
2: yeah sounds sounds about right yeah it looked like a it looked like an office building like a lot of glass and stuff like that but i think it was a condo I'm not sure yeah it looked fairly new I, I was surprised that they don't have a sprinkler but yeah
0: i was surprised it wasn't sprinklered either a friend of
2: mine uh an acquaintance
0: said that the uh, single stairway as well so apparently in in the uk you can have tall buildings with only one stairway which of course was an impact on the grenfell fire as well um, and they were questioning the shelter in place again which is going to come up in our next podcast here So, doug any input on that fire you didn't really watch it or see it
1: no no, it's I'm drawing a blank on it right now. I'm sure You're it's in on social it. media when it happened, but I can't really remember. I remember seeing pictures and articles that they use their fancy new aerial, but that's really all I, right? Yeah, the UK, I, I, kind of bought, kinda, uh, well, I vaguely remember, but I worked last night, so I'm a little foggy.
0: Yeah, the, the, uh, the UK is buying a bunch of tall aerials after the uh, Grenfell fire tragedy in case they need to rescue people. All right. Well, this week, our podcast is gonna be a fire that happened um, a few years ago, a building called Shirley Towers in Hampshire, Southampton in the UK. The building is managed by the Southampton uh, Council, so I guess the municipality. The tower was built in 1967. It has 16 floors and it's not sprinklered. And this is the most uh, critical part of, of this scenario or of this event. Uh, is to understand that the, they're quite unusual. They're a, they're a split level apartment uh, towers. So they have three of these buildings in, in, in uh, Southampton. And uh, there's 150 flats in the buildings, 350 to 400 residents that live there. Each flat or apartment is split between three floors featuring five levels. So you walk in the entry door and there's a short stairway to the living room and then the dining room and kitchen are adjacent beside the living room, living area. And then you go up a short stairway into uh, and through a fire door inside the apartment, which is kind of odd because you know that no one's going to keep that closed uh, into the bathroom level and then up or down another short stairway to the bedroom level and then up or down another short stairway to the back door or fire exit door into a common hallway, which is either three stories up or three stories down from where you went in. So they're, they're quite, quite, can be quite confusing. And there's two types of flats. There's up flats and down flats. The up flats, you ascend into that living, uh, living kitchen, bathroom, bedroom areas and back door. And the down flats, you actually go down. This is a key factor in the uh, in the fire. Although they knew these were there, uh, they were familiar with the buildings. They've been around since '67, so wasn't a surprise. But there's still a lot of confusion about them.
1: Well, I uh, was very confused when we when we watched the video that we're going to share in our post later. But it was super confusing to to try out. even listening to you explain it now. It's hard to imagine and. Uh, maybe it's a common construction across the pond there but i don't know of any places in in north america or canada here that are just like stacked like this within a certain apartment level where you enter a suite on the sixth floor and you exit on the ninth floor or you enter a suite on the sixth floor and you exit on the third floor and then you got to figure out i mean while it's on fire for these guys you got to figure out which one it is and which one's where and it, it almost just seems like a recipe for disaster, which, I mean, it kind of which... turned out to be that. <laughs> and uh, it's it seemed super confusing and odd, and it's, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's yeah, hard the, the hallway
0: runs down the center of the building, and all the flats go into, you go into the flats from that center hallway, and you either go up like half a flight of stairs, you're in the living area, or down, and then yeah. half a flight, it's, it is kind of odd, although, In areas where people live their lives in an apartment block, it's not as odd. We're used to living in a house, uh, but many regions of the world, people live their lives in large two-bedroom, three-bedroom, four-bedroom apartments, and that's kind of how they build them. So, yeah, it's a factor. We will share the video because uh, Southampton was very progressive in saying, hey, let's make this a learning experience. They made an excellent half hour video that describes the event in detail and the actions and also the recommendations and stuff are also available in the report. So so they they want to take it as a learning experience, which is good for everybody. And we want to, it's not something most of our listeners will encounter, but something out there that, that,
2: can
1: happen so yeah I mean, that, it, I mean, that being like... said
2: Paul uh, because Doug mentioned that this kind of building is very unusual I uh, remember a few weeks back uh, the Twin Twin Parks Northwest building in New York City where 17 people died because of the smoke spread it was a similar I'm not sure if it was all the way up but it was a very similar layout with kind of like two story what you call it townhouses within that block so yeah. It, they and, call it a and, duplex. Also, but, duplex. Yeah, a duplex within, like, within a within a high rise. So I, for me, that was unusual. And then when Paul brought up the Shirley Towers, like that reminds me of that New York one. And I think they're both built in the '60s, mid '60s. Maybe right, that was yeah. something. and, that and was buildings common. on you know apartments on
0: multiple levels, both in in residences or private homes and in commercial, is a huge factor. Um, I know the other fire I looked at uh, recently, I'm reading the uh, Meridian One report, and that was uh, you know where they'd combine office spaces so they could run between the offices on stairs, don't take the stairway, and then that whole fire separation becomes a, an issue uh, inside the space.
1: I still think this is a little different in the sense that even in the one in New York and in, in our office buildings here, you still, if you enter on the third floor, you come out on the third floor, not enter entering the third floor, but you don't go in on the third. And maybe if it's an up, you go into the sixth. And if it's a down, you go to the, you know, yeah, the three inland, floors. And then there's, there's it's either this or it's that. where, I mean, those, those
2: uh, I apartment
1: it's, buildings in New York, they probably have one front door where yeah, within the suite, you can go up to the bedrooms or whatever. But you're not going
2: up and out the door again. You're, you're I'm still not sure because the you you need a second access uh, exit at, at the top of the stairs. But anyhow, the, anyway, Shirley Tower is definitely more confusing. Yeah, <laughs> and the, I think the worst thing is, and Paul's going to talk about this. Um, the the numbers, like the, the apartment numbers. Yeah, they don't they don't make any sense. Like on yeah. on any level, like that was on the ninth floor and it was apartment seventy two. So right. Like, that yeah. makes no sense, and I just added to, to the confusion there, yeah. Which, which it's all about pre-planning, having pre-plans yeah. available to officers,
0: making sure they're familiar with their area, familiar with what's getting built. Uh, you yeah, know, and a like, lot of it's look, on that. There's some technology issues first that prevent that.
1: The first arriving crew almost should know that the, the suites don't really match the floors they, if it's in did. your first due area. And, because I know we have one in in my first new area that it's, it's a, it's a few buildings that make a complex and the suite numbers, if it's like three, four, two, you think that means you're going to the third floor, but in this complex, that means you're going to the third building, the fourth Fourth floor floor. and the second suite. But if you don't know that, I mean, we went there for medical call that, the ambulance was already there and we went to the third floor and we're like, well, where are we? And then we finally found them. And then the second ambulance showed up and they went to the third floor and we're going, where are, we? where is everybody? So it, it's not uncommon, I think to have a strange, it made sense to somebody at some point to say, Hey, let's, let's number it this way. But that's just one of those things that when you go for a medical call, you go for a, a larger call, you got to take note of that and remember it for next time hey, this numbering's is weird here.
0: Yeah, and, and dispatch needs to be on board and guiding you too, if, if they have the information or, or being able to call them and then contact the other agency. So, okay, well, let's let's get into it here because this is a long, gonna be a long podcast. Uh, so the call was received at uh, nine after, after eight on April 6 2010. So 12 years ago now. The caller uh, described the fire on the ninth floor, apartment number 72, to dispatch. There's confusion throughout the incident as to which floor the fire was on. Five minutes initial response for the first apparatus shows up. Some lessons that are going to be identified within this podcast, and I want to get them out here now in case you don't make it to the end of the podcast. Uh, You know, leadership, command and control There was definitely a lot of confusion as to who was in command, who was doing what, where, when, how that was totally out the window. I teach ICS and accountability is one of the, and effective resource management is one of the key tenants or 14 principles as well as communications. And they went out the window on this call. Um, Policies and procedures were not followed, which we see often in line of duty deaths is they didn't follow procedures and policies they didn't use equipment that they had such as thermal imaging cameras and radios uh specific knowledge and intelligence including the effects of ventilation and fire spread were another key uh factor in this fire the effects of ventilation and so many firefighters do not understand ventilation enough so uh you know study ventilation do the little you know burn the burn the little building with the doors. Uh, What do they call that again, Uh, Doug? The dollhouse. The dollhouse, yeah, burn those dollhouses and stuff. Learn about ventilation. I think it's because no one uses wood stoves anymore, so they don't understand draft. But anyway, building construction and a course design. The five apparatus are initially responded to the call. The first one, Engine 53, from close by, only three minutes away. They are not told by dispatch where in the apartment the fire was. Uh, or which level the apartment or flat was on fire. Only the apartment number, number 72, which does not correspond, as we've already mentioned, to the entrance uh, of uh, where they where they had to go in to fight the fire. And we already got bantering about it a little bit because this fire is just so confusing. Um, it really drove us nuts writing a script and studying it. So the... Uh, Let's see pre-plans were not yet uploaded upla- into electronic devices in the apparatus so they had pre but they weren't uploaded and they they looked for them in the electronic devices of course they don't a three-minute drive so they didn't have a lot of time they couldn't find him in there he had a quick little card information card the officer did that was um that they looked at a small drawing in the building that informs that the crew is an up flat apartment because of number 72. Um, they were already dependent on the electronic devices. And so they struggled to go back to the paper devices. So that was an issue that came up. Upon arrival, they see smoke and flames uh, in a window, but the fire is not is not shooting out, but it's a going job. In fact, he called in on the radio we, or to the, his, his other uh, uh, firefighters, we've got a going job. Uh, because the flat or apartment 72 given to the crews, they're under the impression that the fires on the seventh floor would make sense to most of us. Not the ninth floor. First unit on scene is unable to report arrival details on the radio due to too much radio traffic. So he phones dispatch on a mobile phone. This frequent mobile phone use instead of radio communications does prove problematic throughout the incident and restricts critical information awareness to crews and officers. And that is radio discipline, a uh, huge factor, radio discipline, do simulations, do whether you use the you know blue card or any other program, I don't care. Uh, many cities have their own command programs that they do. Do simulations, play with the toys, talk on the radio. You need to get that radio transmissions to essential traffic because they couldn't report in. Upon arrival, after a quick 360, yeah, I think he came in one way, drove around kind of thing. He confirms a working fire, the officer of Unit Engine 53 instructs the engineer to request dispatch to make up the alarm, similar to fill the box, which calls six apparatus for a working fire on the seventh floor. Fire control did not correct the floor location that the the first engine on scene had just set on the radio. Filling the box did little, as policies for this building had been recently changed from three apparatus to five for first alarms. So it really only added one more unit. Officer 53 also requested that the dry riser or the standpipe be charged. Um, we do have some language issues with the uh, terminology that they use. So we try to translate through it here in the, in the podcast, but there may be some confusion there. Doug, you had something to add.
1: Well, I just wonder hearing that there's too much radio traffic to, to get on there. Do they have, is everything going on on one channel? Like, is there other calls happening on one channel? Is there a dispatch channel and then you get a sign a channel for this? Because it seems to me like to only have one truck going to a this this fire. I mean sorry, five trucks, but one's on scene. That's a lot of like, I don't know where all the radio traffic would be coming from that you can't yeah. get on there yeah. and say what you have, right? Yeah, so, that's like a awesome lot, cost. probably something to consider for this department. Maybe they did it at all, but yeah it, if they're trying to run it all off of one channel the whole city, I, then I can see, yeah, there was a lot of traffic there. But
0: Could be, yeah. Maybe they didn't yeah. switch to a working channel right away. I don't know. That's a good point. But anyway, it didn't get on the air. People didn't know what was going on. Uh, so then that first crew of two firefighters and an officer uh, for Engine 53 called a watch manager instead of a captain and a SCBA control firefighter, which is called a VA operations officer or something
2: uh it's meet a up breathing controller. apparatus and entry, entry control control entry entry control that's it. it should be an entry officer apparatus, as well. entry
0: control yeah. which is a firefighter
2: no um, it's an officer it's an officer okay entry control is an officer in, in most european countries it's not just a firefighter
0: they okay. meet with the
2: fire warden for the building so they did have a
0: designated fire warden which is awesome and they met with that person. This is common in the UK, not as common here, but many cities do, do uh, enforce that. And anyway, they asked the fire warden who meets them in the lobby to take them up two floors below the fire. The fire warden assumes that they want to go to the fire floor, so he takes them to the fire floor the night. The watch manager assumes they're on the seventh floor where they will establish sector staging and a bridge, uh, sector staging area, or what they call a bridgehead. At 2018 hours, so a few minutes later, upon arrival at the ninth floor, there are members of the public there in the lobby, including the resident of the fire suite, who was pointed out by the fire warden, but Officer 53 does not talk to the residents at all. The next new engine, Engine 54, arrives on scene, and the watch manager on the ninth floor, currently the IC, because he was the first officer there, asks the second engine officer, Crew uh, 54, to stay in the lobby and manage arriving crews, sort of like lobby control, pretty typical. He also instructs this fire officer to send up two firefighters to the staging area. The firefighters gather did not gather all the high-rise equipment as per policy before sending to the staging area, although they did have their thermal imagers and radios. 2019, a minute later, several other apparatus start to arrive, an aerial ladder platform, another engine, the area manager, which is like a district chief, uh, phones dispatch for an update. He's told there's a fire on the ninth floor, but this is not transmitted to all the units. So there's still confusion. The people on scene think the fire's on the seventh floor. Officer 53 and the BA control firefighter and, and uh, one firefighter descends to the seventh floor from the ninth, where they hook into the standby pipe and run a hose up to the ninth floor lobby the firefighter that stayed on the ninth floor rolls the hose out in preparation for a fire attack. The VA control firefighter asks 53 officer where to set up the entry point, And she's told in the lobby on the seventh floor. So two floors below. Two firefighters from engine 54 ascend in the elevator. There was a fire elevator present, but not available apparently. So they used the other and they went to the fifth floor, two floors below where they thought the fire was on the seventh. IC asks Officer 54 to join him on the fifth floor. Again, confusion. The IC didn't really know where he was. It seems they want him at the staging area, which is now on the seventh floor. Several more apparatus arrive on scene, five in total. It's 20:22 20, hours, so 11 minutes after the call. Several firefighters and an officer meet in the lobby of the fifth floor, and they connect a hose to the standpipe and run it up to the ninth floor. But of course, it's too short to run beyond a few meter, meters into the fire department. This will be important later, as we often say. At 20, 20, 20 200 hours, command instructs firefighters to connect to the dry standpipe on the ninth floor with a Y. Continued preparation. So they had a hose from the ninth. They had a hose from the fifth, seventh, fifth, and now a Y on the ninth continued preparation and confusion about which floor staging is at, which sandpipes to use, and and due to the fire floor confusion. Uh, Six minutes later, two firefighters named Red Team One, that first attack team, so there's only two guys in each attack team, which personally I see as a problem, but anyway, they're instructed to take an attack line and go fight the fire in flat number 72. They're not told that the fire is in the living room because this was not passed on by dispatch. They are told not to enter until they have water. Charge 1. Good. They check the radios and take a tick with them. Red Team 1 is not briefed about victims, and the VA control officer was not involved in the briefing, so the VA control didn't really know what they were told to do. Another minute later, visible fire from the outside is darkening down after growing all this time. Some command changes occur at this time down below. Other managers are, are showing up. I didn't get too much into the details of command because they changed so many times I couldn't keep track of it.
1: I don't um, I don't think that's very uncommon though, between the first arriving unit is command, and then as more as sure the call grows and more chiefs show up. Sure, more but they kept, are gonna be command. They just it's, kept changing it.
0: Like it went to the area guy and then some other guy, and it's like it was and it wasn't announced on
1: the radio. So people didn't that's know. That's the in big charge. problem, is that it's not announced. I like the video that we watched. I don't think it was that, it made sense to me that as the next level of chief or officer showed up, he took command and he reassigned the old command to do something else. It's just, everybody the knows way know. The way, I, the way
0: I teach it, that battalion chief or area manager or whatever, district chief, I don't care what you call them, her, they show up, they take command from the initial arriving officer. And from then on, that person stays in command. They may get supported by other chiefs and stuff and move to a command post and everything. But that second in officer should retain command unless it gets to like a huge, you know, Walmart fire in Indiana, maybe where you're gonna have some more people, but that's what we teach. Fire departments used to do that, but really modern fire command don't change it every time another ranking officer shows up because then you get this confusion.
1: Well, I mean, you're doing the blue card way, which is one way to do it. Lots of which you are married to, which not everybody is, which one day you'll accept. Doug said blue card. Doug said blue card. I like it. You know, I'm talking bad about blue card. All right. Uh, I said blue card (laughs) earlier. Other departments have their policies that the highest ranking person there is in command. And as they show up from farther away, they take command and then whoever the division chief shows up a battalion chief gets put to work supervising somewhere else. And then a captain, like it just dominoes down and I can understand that, especially when in theory, a higher ranking person is more experienced and more educated or whatever. You should have the most educated, experienced person in command, not sitting around saying, oh, I'm here if you need me, he send that chief to go do other stuff. But and, especially and... in a
0: rapidly evolving incident, key information is lost because you don't get a proper briefing between those commanders. Sure. That's and, where the problem- it's,
1: it's magnified here because all their communication is happening over a phone, not over the radio that everybody coming in can hear. Command, command beyond
0: Beyond the first officer who's in the hazard zone, any command transfer after that should happen face-to-face.
1: Face to Sure, 100% agree. And it still can't happen face-to-face if uh, another chief's taken over from a battalion chief. It is easily done.
2: It is, it is very... For me, it's unusual. I don't know anything about the, the British Fire Service, but for me, it's uh, very unusual that, um, that there is no face-to-face, uh, the way they staged. Like with the BA control officer, as far as I know, that's your entry point. Everything goes through that guy. That's where he's supposed to be an officer. And whoever's in command should be very close to that. I mean, they're two levels down. So they're not, they're not close to any danger, right? So everything should be going on there and they should be talking. And yeah, not this, you know, how many channels do we have? We don't even know. Uh, cell phones, I think it's ridiculous to use uh, when it comes to, to tactics and strategies. Right. Okay, uh, let's get yes, into the yes, building. We haven't there, been yep. any
0: apartment yet. <laughs> awesome, great discussion. Uh, so Red Team 1 works their way down the hall, uh, ninth floor hallway with their line from the seventh floor towards flat 72 with a charge line. Red Team 2, two more firefighters from that second-in engine, are on air and they're instructed to back up Red 1 in flat 72 with a tick and radios. They intend to use the other hose line, the one from the fifth floor. They're going, they're going to hose manage for red one as well. The two more firefighters are instructed to run another line from the seventh floor standpipe. Red team one notices that the hose from the fifth floor is too short. They also check the conditions through the mail slot described to them, uh, described them to command as favorable for flashover but they still enter the flat. So believe it or not, they described that conditions are favorable for flashover, but they still enter the flat. The uh, Red 2 works their way down the ninth floor hallway, backing up Red 1. Red Knot 1 did not wait for Red 2 to get to the door before entering, and they do not communicate with them before entering. Red 2 discovers that the hose line is too short to enter the flat. The fire's growing, residents are calling dispatch for information and instructions what to do, Remember, the U.K. has a shelter-in-place policy. They don't evacuate people, typically, um, which is a problem that happened in the Grenfell Tower. Um, And they're tying up dispatch. This is a huge problem in the report, is that dispatch was so busy with callers that they couldn't talk to the uh, fire uh, units on scene that were working the call.
2: That's something, uh, Paul, sorry uh, to interrupt there. That's something I don't understand. I mean... Again, I don't know this system, but at a major incident, you should have a designated dispatcher, not somebody that takes other calls. That is, I've I've never heard that before. Like, yeah, not not exactly. from here, not from not from Germany. Uh, this is very unusual and confusing. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's why it came up in a report. It was the same problem in that uh, the uh,
2: Kimberly mine
0: rescue problem, where the dispatcher, the one. EMS dispatcher uh, had worked at 24 or longer. She had poor noisy conditions and she's working alone and she missed information, didn't pass it on. Exactly the same situation in a large metropolitan city. It's like, you know, how do we do this Uh, over and over, which is why we're doing the podcast. Now I lost my place. Uh, Red team two goes down the hallway. We got that. Red team one. Red team one using gas phasing or pulse water technique to cool the gases inside the flat. They stated conditions were good and not too hot. The fire was not visible in the living room. Smoke was very thick. They did not use their thermal imaging camera. They chose a right-hand search. They didn't see fire on that main level. So they proceeded up the stairs immediately to the bathroom level because they didn't know where the fire was. They weren't told where the fire was. They didn't use their tick, and they were using gas phasing. And we're gonna let Dirk loose here on gas, gas phasing soon. Uh, they chose a right hand search, proceeded up the stairs to the bathroom level through the non, uh, the, the chalked open fire door. This level change was not reported to command. And uh, yeah, gas phasing, too much fire,
2: not enough water, in my well, opinion. I'm,
1: that's exactly what my note here says, is there's not enough water. Yeah. Yeah. we
2: We don't even know the flow rate, so... I mean, even at a fog, you still develop the, uh, deliver the same amount of water, but you're you're cutting yourself short on the reach. Um, just from, from the floor plan, right? They have to flow up the stairs, and not sure. I'm, I'm just guessing here. It was maybe ten feet up the stairs into that compartment. Um, yeah. With with a white, I don't even know what wide, a wide fog for them. You don't get get ten feet of it, reach. Yeah, and it's an air limited fire.
0: There's lots of space to fill with smoke above them because it's a big room, really over three stories. So yeah, so the gas phasing and throughout this they do that and it doesn't work. Sorry, uh, Lars or whatever the guy is in uh, what's that, Sweden, um, Axelson,
2: yep. right?
0: Uh, you know mode. with gas
2: phasing and yeah, under control. Oh, uh, Lars is so away from gas phasing though. Yeah, I know he's gone away it. from it. He's figured out yeah. that
0: it's just too complex. We can't do it. We need we need to use some water. And they're using, some, they're using and the fuel, small,
1: small hose lines too. There's You're too much fuel. Them.
0: Like the fires are too yeah. intense. Anyway, uh, so they move up the stairs. Red two arrives to manage hose for red one. They leave their hose in the hallway because really it can't go beyond that first little set of stairs. Red three arrives. They don't and they're instructed to the ho- to manage hose for red one and two. They have closed circuit TV of the, of the fire from outside and inside the building, which is cool. And it shows significant fire development once Red One went into the flat, even though they were gas phasing. Red Team One searches the bedrooms and then they decide to open the windows for ventilations because the smoke is too thick and we can't see without instructions from command. There is a command change at this time and additional alarms are called for. Red One reports, primary search completed. They're going back downstairs. Nobody in the, they didn't find anybody in the flat. Red One and Two meet on the stairs. Uh, What was I gonna say? Something about ventilation, I forgot. They did have a policy. They're not supposed to vent without talking to to command, but they did it anyway. Uh, And they, about the tick, the firefighter from Red One said, I prefer to use my own senses rather than use the thermal imaging camera was a quote from the statements in the report. Um, Red, they meet on the stairs outside the bedroom, surprised because they didn't communicate before our entry. The teams notice significant change in conditions from heat burning their fingertips of their gloves. Of course, the doors open at the bottom and the windows are open at the top. So we have a good flow path. Slicers, right? Uh, 2040, so another 10 minutes in, the living room windows fail and a large fire development occurs. Debris blowing out and falling to the ground. Command hears reports of extreme conditions from inside and the BA control firefighter loses contact with Red One. A mayday is not called, but she she or he can't raise them on the radio. Now they did have a lot of radio issues in tall buildings. So they sort of expected that they might not be able to, So they attributed a lot of the lack of communication to equipment failure. Red One tells Red Two to descend the stairs to the exit, but Red Two says it's too hot to descend. Red One descends to the bathroom level, encountering fallen cables on the way. This will become important later as well. And it also shows up in the next podcast we're gonna do in a few weeks. Uh, Red Team 4, two firefighters, Don B.A., and are instructed to go to the fire floor flat and locate Red 2 to assure their withdrawing. Red 4 did not have a thermal imaging camera. Red 3 arrives at the flat door and the door is open. They see developing fire and they decide to change their task from hose management to try to fight the fire using the only other charged hose line, the short one from the fifth floor standpipe, instead of waiting to charge their line from the higher floor. Of course, you know, there, the other guys went above the fire and they, they knew they were, but they weren't told where it was, but technically they went above the fire, which is always a recipe for disaster in, in many of these calls. Red One leaves the bathroom to ascend the stairs to the 11th floor fire escape door, and they encounter and struggle through more fallen cables. These were all cable television, telephone and fire alarm system cables, that were suspended in the corner of the ceilings in plastic trays. And that all melted and fell down and entrapped the firefighters. If you watch the report or the videos, they actually designed a cover for their SCBA post this fire to prevent cables from getting between the back, the uh, harness and the tank so that nothing could fall in there and and catch you, which is not a bad idea. That's why we have a grip on our helmets their helmets do not have a rear brim like a North American helmet that potentially covers that space. So that could be a factor as well in that they have the European style helmets without the rim on the back, uh, which, you know, is always the debatable that could have prevented this potentially or reduced it uh, red one. They leave, they leave through the, the top, The Red 3 enters as far as they can in the flat, a few meters to attack the fire, again using pulse spray techniques rather than straight stream, concerned about steam production, injuring the firefighters that are already in the flat. Red 1 leaves via the fire exit on the 11th floor. He realizes his partner, uh, one of the two, his partner's not with him. He goes back and disentangles him and they both exit the flat. They descend to staging area in a distressed state with burned gear. Command cannot raise Red 2 on the radios. Red 3 is fighting the fire at the end of the short hose line. Red 4 takes a longer line, charges it, and backs up Red 3 fighting the fire in flat number 72. 2049, so this is 20 minutes since the time of call. Red 3 and 4 report conditions are too hot to proceed and they abort their search for Red 2. After multiple attempts, they go back, they come out, they go back, they come out to fight the fire with pulse spray. Again, the nice big smoothbore would do, would have done wonders in this call, I think. Um, do your, uh, what's the guy with wants the two and a half inch smoothbore, right? A couple minutes later, there's still no BA emergency call, that's what they call a mayday there. Uh, or a BA control, uh, by the BA control firefighter or command. Red 2 man down alarm is manually activated. They must've been monitoring electronically. They could tell it got manually activated. A large fireball is observed coming out of the kitchen window. Missing Red 2 team is still not recognized by command. They're focused on trying to evacuate the building, which has no building wide public address system. Uh, because they don't evacuate buildings, they shelter in place. The pass alarm on the other red firefighter team member automatically activates. Another team comes in, red five, is committed to search for and rescue red two. So they're red basically. They take another hose line, the fourth with them. They struggle to find the fire flat on the ninth floor because they're going to the wrong floor. With red four, who's still working to suppress the fire using long pulse spray method. Also, command has not yet announced an emergency. There's confusion if all firefighters are out of the flat yet due to the title assignments, red one, two, three, four, there are no easy identifiers on the firefighters' helmets, such as assigned engine companies. So some of the officers actually saw people coming out and they thought that was the team that was in because they're just assigned this number randomly when they show up on scene instead of, engine 53, engine 54, whatever, which you know, I really a big fan of those magnetic helmet tags that have what unit you're on on your helmet so we can keep you
1: sorted out uh, from a
0: command perspective.
1: I think it's I think it's super confusing having the red one, red 2, red 3 and it's even magnified with the fact that they're having brutal radio communications right in the sense that you might not even know who's doing what what their assignment is, who they are, when you see them, all that kind of thing, where I, well, really there should be one of two ways to do things is either you communicate with the sector you're assigned as, as in fire, attack, ventilation, search and rescue, whatever, or you just stick to your unit number. When you start going into Red One or I had a fire chief that used Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, and then when, when Red Two is calling command or when bravo team is calling command everybody else listening has no idea who they are where they are they're what they're supposed to be doing or any of that stuff and then if you're uh, in this case a ba control officer or whatever and you see a crew of guys going to an elevator you have no idea who they are where they're going who sent them anything it just completely adds to all the confusion that that led to what happened happening here and it it's uh, it doesn't make sense to me. It might make sense to them. I mean, obviously, as a crew arrives and it gets a sign, they just get the next number in line. But it's still, it's still tough. And they're th- something else I noticed is they're splitting their crews up where it's like the officer's not with their crew. It, command just says send me your two firefighters and then they send them to go do something. Where to me you need that officer with you to supervise you, look out for your safety, and he's who's or he or she is who's talking to command and keeping that radio communications
0: established. Yep, yeah. so this is now uh, 21.05 hours. They went in 40 minutes, 45 minutes ago. Another team, Red Six is sent to the flat to assist and rescue. The hose line they took was also too short. They exchanged it with the hose line with Red Four had, who were out of air and exiting. An aerial ladder platform is at the windows outside the flat, suppressing any exterior vertical extension with their monitor nozzle. And there's some pictures of that in the report, I think, um, or the video. At 21:08, command finally implements an emergency mayday. He hears when he hears some radio traffic about man down alarms being activated in the flat. So somebody was chatting about it that someone saw man down was activated. So that's when he implemented an emergency, this new, new, another new commander. At the same time, some commanders were setting up positive pressure ventilation on the 11th floor to clear hallways of smoke for evacuation of residents because now they decided they were gonna evacuate. This would cause a venturi effect on the flat, in the fire flat 72 with the door open on the 11th floor. So they had the door at the bottom open, the door at the top and the windows all open. Red 5 are in the flat, uh, not not to mention the communication challenges when the fans are running. Red 5 are in the flat, in the living area. They attempt gas cooling with little to no effect. They attempt to climb up to the next level where they can hear the pass alarms, and they call out for the missing Red 2 team, but they are beaten back by the extreme heat. They withdraw to the hallway, and they make two more attempts to enter, but are pushed back again and again. For the next 10 minutes, several more teams, including officers, work to suppress the fire in the flat, some without BA from the doorway. This is a panic situation. Meanwhile, PPV is set up and the windows are broken on the 11th floor hallway to make it tenable for firefighters to attempt to enter flat 72 from the upper fire exit, so down the chimney. It takes time due to smoke and confusion to find the correct flat. The flats are all numbered, but the number plate indicating the flat and the upper down is high on the doorway, and they can't see it because of the smoke. The, uh, a team of four firefighters together, Red 9 and 10 are committed to rip. And they, another change of command occurs. This is the second change in command in 13 minutes. 21:34 hours, Red 9 using a tick, novel concept, uh, Locates firefighter one of red two entangled in fallen cables in a bedroom on the next to the top level, if you will. Pass alarm activated. No low air alarm alarm sounding, which would mean to me that he's out of air. Assistance from red ten. The with assistance from red ten, the located firefighter is extricated. Fire suppression is stopped during this time. Officers without BA were in the flat assisting with rip. The search continues under extreme fire conditions with two lines flowing, only two, uh, and one, one is too short to enter. Two lines is not a lot for a big flat like that, especially inch and a half or 40, you know, 38 mil, 44 mil. Uh, they find the other, we resume the search, they find the other firefighter entangled in cables around his SCBA, command of the fire changes again on scene, which was not recorded by dispatch, Numerous radio calls were missed or transmitted on incorrect channels and not heard. Firefighter two is extricated, Red two firefighter is extricated from the fire flat. Now there's confusion as to who is in command and the status of the two injured firefighters. Red two is communicated, but actually it gets phone called to dispatch and people are phoning for people. Both firefighters are unresponsive, not breathing. Resuscitation efforts are underway during transport to the ground floor. There's still confusion who is injured. Firefight continues for several hours after. Investigation indicates that only 24 firefighters used SCBA at the fire out of the 86 members attending the incident. Quick review of the recommendations. Uh, First one, review assessment of command competence in the role of sector commander, just like Yellowknife, command competence should move to a two year validity period for IC assessments. It's a perishable skill. If you don't get any big fires, it's gone. Clearly identify who's responsible for managing the training record system and who's responsible for ensuring staff receive required training. So there was a lot of concerns about the training of the staff. That was recommendation three. Uh, Recommendation six, re-emphasize monitoring of handovers of incident command, including briefing by sector commanders to ensure adequate exchange of safety critical information. Number seven, uh, including the use of ticks, provide guidance and training what's what's required of uh, BA teams and entry control officers, including the use of ticks. Uh, implement a system for monitoring assessment of the briefings given by ICs to BA teams for mobilizing a tactical advisor. So this would be like a scribe, an assistant, a driver, a part of his role officer to audit key aspects of operational activity, including briefings. Incident sector commanders and early control. Oh, it's early entry control officers in relation to debriefing BA teams. They didn't, the BA team came out, no one debriefed them. No one said, where were you? What did you get done? Who's in there? Nothing, they walked out, they had burned hands. They went into another suite and they cooled their hands in tubs of water. The only reason one of the commanders knew these guys had been in is why are they standing here in the hallway with their hands in water? That's how they figured it out. It's just unbelievable.
1: And that goes back to the crew identifiers, right? You you see a crew and you have no idea who they are, where they're from, what they're supposed to be doing, what they are doing, what they did. It's just And they talked
0: about uh, having enough people uh, at the scene that can effective support for incident commanders, uh, use of mobile phones at incidents and ensure their use is not systemic are culturally acceptable. They shouldn't be phoning around. That's why you have a radio. Why do you give an initial? I remember teaching uh, command. Why am I doing such an in-depth initial radio report? Dispatch doesn't care. It's not for dispatch. It's for all the other units that are coming to the call. The number of radios on appliances should be reviewed. So they must've been shorter radios. Uh, implement effective system for monitoring the quality, as well as the quantity of station based training, which is so hard to do. You guys live it every day. How do you get firefighters trained when they're on shift on duty? If you take them off shift then you got to call other guys in, it's expensive. It's tough to do. You're not training with your, with your same people, uh, prolonged breakdown in radio communications that it says here, uh, remind firefighters when you can use a tick, um, Definitions and controlling. Oh yeah, this is another one, uh, this is my favorite. The definitions and roles of covering jets, they call it nozzles, covering jets and safety nozzles, ensure that firefighters are pro- provided with appropriate training. Clarify in the current high rise procedure, whether uh, the uh, gas phasing fog nozzle is adequate and they actually write other places in the report about they're gonna re- reevaluate that uh, the same thing happened in uh, Meridian One uh, Plaza fire, where the PRVs were in the, in the standpipes and they had automatic nozzles. Well, that automatic nozzles got to see 100 PSI to open. Uh, so you got no water, uh, right? So just, uh, yeah, those are some of the recommendations.
2: Lots. Lots, okay. lots of recommendations, lots of administrative recommendations, I felt. Um, I thought they already had too many administrative steps, too many chiefs, too many, oh, we have to transfer command, transfer command, transfer command without having the, what do you call it, the discipline to have a proper face-to-face, see what's going on um, within that time span, changing command, it's, it's ridiculous. To start with, Uh, yeah, and they're saying not enough manpower there. You said it. There's like 20 guys in BA and 60 guys that didn't. So, I mean, the high rise fire, really, the guys that are doing the actual work, they could wear BA. Everybody else doesn't really have to. Um, But when they mentioned firefighters without BA helping in the rescue, I can tell you from my own experience, those are all officers. Officers do not wear a CBA. Because Thanks. I had a white because and no, because that's not their job. They become part of the internet system. They don't go in inside a structure fire. It's the two firefighters, but the officers responsible for those two firefighters, usually per radio communication or be on the same floor. And now the floor is full of smoke. So that makes it tough for the officers to actually be there. So there's a huge accountability problem. Uh, yeah, everybody skipped the uh, BA officer. I'm not sure how long they've been doing this. It was 2010 um, BA control, as far as I know, started in the like, 2000, 2005-ish when it became bigger. Maybe it wasn't widely accepted or, again, training, um, not widely enough ex- of what is the job of the BA entry control. And I agree with Doug, like this red one, two, three, six, two hundred is like is so confusing. It uh, what does red mean? For me, red means that's fire attack, but search is not red. Uh, well, it, it ventilation seems they call is everything not red, like it should not be red, 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 which is yeah, and it has no correlation to to their to the rigs either. So, really, I'm not surprised that they got confused. I'm surprised that they haven't killed more. British firefighters <laughs> in, in the past, uh, at least what we would hear from, right? That that's something you dug up here, Paul. And uh, that's fantastic. Because yeah, it came
0: up on my social media like last year, sometime, and went, "Hey, that's one to talk about." Because obviously, I mean, these are errors that we need to need to um, need to learn from. Who's who are you working with? Use your tech. Um, have some way of identifying people. Uh, I mean, they gave the BA officer heck because the the board wasn't clean um, and they couldn't make, read it, you know, and then they wrote stuff on the wall instead of the BA control board because there was so many resources and there was a lack of of support for command. They had lots of commanders, but no one wanted to be support for command almost. And the well, officers that's right. in the, mm-hmm. rescuing in the suite, they were in the hallway trying to make things happen and eventually they just went in and like, I'm going to do this, act with it, right? Which is terrible mm-hmm. because they're going to pay for that
1: for the rest of their lives with whatever smoke they inhaled and whatever else. We, we talked about at the beginning about pre-plans in regards to knowing the layout of the building and everything, but it's more than that. It kind of seems like they were kind of doing a free for all and make it up as they go for having a true high rise fire instead of having determined, predetermined tasks that need to be done in a certain order with, with just not just, I mean, lots of fire departments in North America. I don't know what Europe they have. First engine does this. First truck does this. Second engine does this. And I, you just know what you're going to do as you show up. But if you're not going that far, whoever's in command needs to at least know, I need to assign this and then this and then this as the crews roll Where it seems to me like he assigned everybody to just go to fire attack. Take a hose, take a hose, take a hose. And there was nobody really assigned to do RET. There was way later after, like when it was too late, it was let's let's figure out how to do ventilation on the fly on the wrong floor at the wrong time. And then it was like, oh shit, we haven't heard from these guys. We better send somebody in to find them.
0: Well, the, the too commander, late after the, fact. the guys that were talking about doing the uh, ventilation is because they wanted to do evacuations because dispatch was getting so many calls from people about the smoke and what do I do? And I need to get out. And and they're having breathing problems and stuff because of the smoke. That commander actually didn't even know that there was firefighters in the flat at the time. He was informed then after is that, well, no, we can't do that. There's firefighters attacking the fire. And he's kind of like, what? So, you know, it was, and, and that's what. The recommendations focus on officer training and firefighter training. And you know, when's the last time you trained for a high-rise fire? When's you know that's the thing is, and it's our whole heart to do, but it's critical
2: and, that we do it. One thing, Paul is um, the same. More training is nice, but this whole compartment fire training um, with the pulsing and all this stuff more of that wouldn't have helped the guys because that no. was the wrong tactic. And, yep. uh, and, and, there, and I mean, in, in the department's defense, that was 2010. Uh, that was before UL did the research, all this. It just started. That's true. Um, there's other departments, of course, like New York. They've always been using uh, uh, smooth war and smooth board. were really yep. successful with that. right? Um, but the mindset in Europe was also like we want to minimize water damage because most right. of the time, Right. There's nobody in there. For us, it's no risk. We we can do this pulsing if you're really good at it. Um, but they had so many difficulties with stretching short. Now you don't have to reach. The guys crawled past the fire. Both of them, both teams crawled both past teams the fire. Yep. That right there that trapped them. And then this mindset of steam is bad. Oh, we're going to steam burn in them. So let's just longer pulse, and then they'll really pressurize the upper floors with all that heat and all this stuff. Uh, We know now that that is the wrong tactic. Uh, And I think the British fire service, it's it's same as ours, very traditional changes occur very, very slowly. Yeah. I don't want this tick. I don't know how to work it. I'm not going to use it. Right. And all this penciling has been working for for ages. Let's just use it. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And the, but you see, the problem is, is what people don't understand, in my opinion, is the fire has changed. We live in a world of solidified gasoline. As soon as it ignites, if it gets air, it's extreme. And we, us humans, don't change that fast. This worked before, these 38 millimeter lines and a fog nozzle worked before at 95 gallons a minute or 100 liters a minute, whatever it is, 400 liters a minute. That doesn't work today with today's yeah. fire. The fire has changed and it takes us so long to figure that out that we're walking into a much more extreme situation and we need to be better prepared.
1: They well, can, In how, the how in UK,
0: they probably don't have big lines on the truck that they can readily use. And they do, they do. Like,
2: they, you know, they do. Yeah. They do, just never they use do. them. Just like it's just not set up. It's not set up for high rise operation. Same as ours. Like we don't have a uh, sixty five mil high rise kit. We don't. But and you have, have to, dra- you got pull a it off. you got a smooth well, bore. You got a smooth bore. Smooth bore or fog. In that case doesn't matter because the flow rate is the same. These guys, I actually checked. They didn't use thirty eight. They used forty five mil. Okay. Right, but they also Good. use gated wise, which they right. They had some funny name for it. Um, uh, but now you're right. splitting. You're splitting the flow, yeah. right? And we know that that again, why in a in a structure fire situation it kills firefighters basically yeah. because you 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 rob Peter to pay Paul. You don't get the flow, right? Yeah. And then you can use a fog, like a fox for a straight stream, like other departments. Like I, I was listening to. Um, uh, Australian firefighter that said well we were taught if the fire is at a distance we use straight stream if we're close by we use a fog so right different different countries different continents different departments use different techniques based on the same equipment so they could have used the equipment maybe better there's there's all these little things that all add up to to those two I, brothers I would like right? to so, I would
0: like to see a minimum flyer flow required calculation for that apartment how much water did it actually need to put it out? And I don't think that the two, maybe three 44 mil lines with some sort of a fog nozzle, that probably does 400 liters a minute or something could actually put it out.
2: Yeah. Well, it could have like ours is, is a 44 mil, 45 mil hose. That flows 550 liters with uh, right. the fog. Yeah. Like the, it's it's about the nozzle. If they have a different nozzle on it, yes, I, I get right. it. They might yeah. get less Water flow, but they they have everything set up. I mean, right? So it's it's it's, it's tragic, and I hope that the department learned from it. But just based on those recommendations, um, my hopes weren't that high. I hope now they're now big that, recommendations.
0: They, they, those are new to, recommendations, to,
2: right? And then uh, I do. know Paul Paul Grimwood was talking in front of the inquiry for Grenfell where they run into the same problems initially right switching a hostline, line leaving the uh the stairwell open all this stuff so we're getting there it's just it takes takes a while right okay guys
0: any last word posing comments closing comments
2: nope all good
0: it's a little bit of a long one folks but uh, it was a big incident and there was lots of information lots of good sharing hopefully uh it's of interest to you and you can learn something from it and use it next time you're on shift or get that big call thanks a lot and talk to
1: you next time stay safe stay safe yeah good words